right, we are live. I am here, Popsters, with my special return guest, Anna Meyer. Hello, Anna. How are you? Hi, Teresa. I'm good. I'm so glad. Anna and I can see each other, which is a big step up for me. Because, yes, lovely anchor, if I just use it as it is, I can only hear people. So this is nice mm -hmm. to be able to have visual cues. I um, promised myself I would look better today on camera for um, Anna and I look stop hideous. But you look great. you're so sweet. So sweet on us. So sweet. Um, but we are and I love playing with um, words and names because I thought it was fitting that we are going to be speaking about Anna Delvey with Anna Meyer. Anna yes. Meyer, who is an artist living in New York. Anna, Anna, Anna Delvey, or Sorokin, who was a wannabe artistic impresario of, you know, an artistic sponsor, essentially, um, slash con artist. Um, living in New York. So there are parallels. I'm not saying, Anna Meyer, that you are in any way <laughs> like... I've scammed you know? my way into my career. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did see some, there are some interesting, a little bit of interesting parallels just with her passion for um, kind of wanting to create um, something for artists. Although... Yeah. And it's something very exclusive, um, such as, have you ever heard of the Soho House? In, in Yes, I have. You know what Soho House is, which is, mm -hmm. you know, members only. And to me, like, you know, all about exclusivity and what have you. And she wanted to essentially create that type of similar format, but for... Um, who she was going to deem as artists who needed to get some recognition, but even more appropriately for people who could afford to buy and put some of this art in some of these galleries. So exclusive as hell. But um, let's get let's get a little bit into the story of Anna Delvey slash Sorokin, and while we're talking about it today, so. As many people know, um, or if you're like me and you watch as much, consume as much media as, as me, excuse me, as I, yep, I'm doing that right now, sneezing a little bit. Um, I've been following this case, this New York scam case for a while, um, especially I think when it broke in Vanity Fair, there was an art, a pretty big article in Vanity Fair in about 2017 or 2018. Mm -hmm. um, but I was very excited when I had seen a few months ago that they were creating a mini series around this story. So, and then I saw it was gonna be on Netflix and that was exciting. And then I saw it was going to be Shonda Rhimes and I was like, huh. And it is very Shonda Rhimes. Less excited, more excited for different reasons, maybe. Yeah, I mean, tell me your initial th 
thoughts on this? Because I know you also followed this story as well. Yeah, so I remember um, reading, I first heard about it when that article, the cut article, the one that was um, written for New York Magazine came out. That's when I first heard of it. And yeah. as soon as I heard of it, I just had to consume everything I could about it. I remember I was at work and me and the other girls on the marketing team were just losing our minds. And I think I spent the rest of the day at work just trying to learn everything I could about it. Um and then, yeah, I, I remember hearing that they were going to make a show about it. And I was, of course, excited because, you know, when you're obsessed with a case, like any bit of information you can get is great. Right. I don't have a lot of, I will say, like, I haven't watched a lot of Shonda Rhimes work. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've, se I've seen Bridgerton, but I haven't seen any of the other ones. Um, but I definitely watching this show, I, I watched it with my roommate who did okay. know a lot of like Shonda Land, Shonda Rhimes. And she was just saying, this is so Shonda. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is just so Shonda Rhimes. And I think you said the same thing as well. It is, sorry about that. Um, we are deeply in Shonda Land. Like, yeah. which is Shonda Rhimes' production company. And I'm like, yep, we're in it. We are in the land of Shonda. So Aaron Sorkin also, I always says, say falls into this trapping of something feeling very Aaron Sorkin in which Aaron Sorkin, no matter what. And I, I felt like this when I was watching, um, being, being the Ricardos, I was like, how, yeah. how is he finding a way to mansplain through this female oriented movie about Lucy Ricardo? It, he still did. And he did it a, a bit through a J.K. Simmons character. And it was still in this way of we're going to be very hyper aware of the fact that it is 2022 speaking about the late 50s, early 60s and how women are treated with authority and agency in this industry. But it, it felt very Sorkin. It felt very very at times and I like a lot of Aaron Sorkin but I'm like this is a lovely monologue but this is not how people it's elevated speech this is elevated yeah. drama um that I don't feel like would have happened but it makes for great storytelling and wow it's like sweeping oh. and almost operatic and Shonda yeah. does the same thing I can definitely pick up on that because even though I don't know like the Shonda isms, like it just was so melodramatic is exactly the right way to put it. Like, I feel like someone was always like crying and screaming, which I'm sure happened. But some of the lines were, I think, it, especially the first few episodes, I found it to be incredibly cheesy. I think it towards like the middle of the show, it started to get a little like, okay, like I'm invested some of the lines were like there was the one line that Neff, her friend, said. She's like, "People come to New York. They're looking for love. They're looking for a dream." Like this, I'm like, "Who talks like this?" It just, I think that was, um, and the story itself is so grandiose. So like, I think to really 
dramatize it is fine. Um, but it just felt, yeah, like so like these caricatures, um, which, yeah. you know, really makes great TV, you know? Oh, it was, it's highly watchable. It, it was like a lot of, it was junk food for my soul. I mean, and yeah. I am a person, I'm one of the only people, like I say, I know Shondaland and I've been in Shondaland, but I've been, I lived in Shondaland mostly with the shows. I, I, my personal favorite, How to Get Away with Murder. Right. Just, but just season one, because everything after that, listen, Viola Davis is amazing, amazing, yeah. but she, she couldn't even hold my interest. It got so off the rails by season two. And Scandal, Scandal was another one of those ones that I was like, this is ridiculous. But I, that first season, I could not get enough, but it was hard to keep me engaged for a second and a third season because the stakes were just my, I, I had to really put my belief system. I'm like, I can't even suspend my disbelief right now. It's too insane. Some of these storylines. Um, and again, I haven't watched Grey's Anatomy, which has been on for what? A hundred years. And oh, forever. Probably. I it's, is it still on? I think it is. It's Is it? still on. I mean, oh, Meredith yeah. Grey. I know the people's names. I know that there was. I've never seen the episode, but I like it's so just like within like the common consciousness, like you know. Which yeah, I'm like we we don't watch it, and we should not know that. We should not know that there's somebody named Meredith Grey, and that there were nicknames for characters like named McDreamy and McSteamy but I bet you know that like I, I know, know that. that I do know I that, mean yeah. played by Patrick floppy hair oh my gosh I can't remember his name I was like Bateman it's Bateman but it's, <laughs> it's not Bateman it's um, I just the first thing that came to my mind <laughs> Patrick Dempsey is McDreamy and Eric Dane who um who now plays Cal on Euphoria, whipping his dick out is oh. so. so. I'm curious with so again, like I don't know what a typical Shondaland you know feature is like. Yes. Like, what are in in this story? Because we also again know the actual story, or at least what like we yes. can know from the article. Like, what are like the Shondaisms? Like, I'm curious, what are like the things that just make it feel so okay. well, I can so like her. So, for example, that dialogue, that some of that nep dialogue of that, like people come to New York for dreams, big dreams, high yeah, dreams. Someone come to the Big Apple. You can yeah, make it here, uh, make it anywhere. You can make it. I mean, it was very much. I was like, is this? This feels like it's pulled from Pretty Woman that yeah, day. Um, you have dreams. You got big dreams. Um, yeah. So that type of dialogue, a lot of a lot of Casey's, uh, Casey Duke's dialogue. Casey Duke, uh, played by Laverne Cox, she was playing the fitness instructor. She has a lot of Shondaisms, which is a lot of like, "Girl, let me tell you the truth of this." A lot of "I'm gonna," a lot of "I'm going to read you to filth" moments. So you saw Neff reading people to filth and you saw the Casey character both reading different people to filth. And yeah. Shonda loves that. High, high stakes. 
um, you know, like big flashy cuts of great scenery. So there was a montage. There's a montage, a couple of them um, spliced with like, I think one song is by uh, either Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion of like her just spending, spending, spending. The yeah. music in this was it it wasn't fully like a Netflix reality show, but it was like almost there. Yes. You know, a little bit like selling sunset yes. or the bling empire. Like yes. the the um kind of the celebration of consumption and watching how easily and how nimbly this character, this Anna Delvey is just throwing out throwing out money for tips and conning her way through New York in a just in a brilliant way because I mean essentially um I mean and Shonda's very good at pulling in people almost in like an interview format so throughout the show you're introduced in each, I like each episode is a different chapter where you're going to be focusing on this reporter who has found somebody who knew Anna, right? Mm -hmm. Some of this is true and some of this is not true. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, but, the, you know, finding these different characters that were essentially able to help Anna in some way, whether they knew it or not, and then this person would be describing their, their situation with Anna. One of the first characters we meet is this stylist who, um, you know, and I think a lot of it, especially with, and he didn't have any money, but he, he was a little bit like Anna. He was surrounding himself at all times with people who had money. And he even had like a wealthy benefactor, essentially that he sponged off of, but that benefactor at least knew, listen, this is our relationship. Like, I love him. He's my stylist. He's like the gay son that I don't have. You know, it was kind of like a motherly situation. But when he would describe Anna, you could tell very much that he didn't want to be seen as a fool. Like, listen, I'm around wealthy people. She, right. Anna had money. Anna didn't wear all brands like Anna mixed things up. She didn't try too hard. She did. He, he knew a pattern, a paradigm that these people would, that he would see with these extremely wealthy people that he was around. And I think that's where he got fooled because he wasn't from money. So yeah. I, she was able to fool him even more because being around that, being around that, I think, for a while, for many years, he was like, I'm able to sniff out a fake from the authentic thing. And he was mm -hmm. wrong. He was completely wrong. wrong. Yeah. So before we go any further, and if people already don't know what this story is about, um, let's share, we're going to share a little bit of the trailer. And again, if you go on popcultureperceptiony.com after that, this, you can watch this trailer as well. Um, but the reason why it's important is because you're going to be able to hear Julia Garner, who plays Anna Delvey. Yes. And the accent. So this is a big 
thing that has brought been brought up. And I'm also going to post some interviews that was done from 60 Minutes in Australia with Anna Sorkin. And you will be able to hear the accent. Anna Sorkin, who is pretending to be this woman named Anna Delvey, is actually from Russia. But she's trying to pull off that she is a German heiress. And this cuckoo bananas accent is... It, and a lot of people will say this in this series, and a lot of people will say it in real life. You couldn't really place this accent, you know, and you can't. Well, but if you listen, so there's been some debates on this performance by Julia Garner. Like, is it good? Is it bad? Is it accurate? All I can say is she sounds like her. I enjoy her yeah. in this. Um, you want more of Anna than you want of the reporter, I would say. But it's good to give the audience a little bit, you'll get a little bit of idea of what this show is about, and then we will come right back. I might have a story. Her name is Anna Delvey, or Anna Sorokin. No one's sure. She's either a rich German heiress or she's flat broke. The charges are insane. Anna committed real white-collar felonies while posing as a socialite in an attempt to steal millions of dollars. Hey, Anna. I just had some questions. I have a question. What's you wearing? You look Paul. <laughs> she is everything that is wrong with America right now. I am famous. People are painting a public picture of me as some criminal. That's not my story. What is your story? I'm a cold yes, I'm a cold piece. Anna came to New York, no rich parents, no connections. Sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. Now we get to the good part. Can I take you what I'm a servant with they wanted you. Anna is a legend around here. You have to work hard to get what you want. I've always known that. I'm building something that's a private club, except beyond the VIP room. It's 40 million finance. We have two banks interested in loaning her the money. Holy shit. You're building something special. Do it, I want to do it, I want to do it. $40 million loan? How in the hell does that happen? Do it, I want to do it, I want to do it, do it. Maybe it's what's help if you stop thinking about me like everyone else. Like basic, you know? What do you guys think? The most expensive resort in Morocco. I realized the clues were there all along. She put it all on my cards. Do it, on it, do it. Give me back that money, please. Why are you being like this? So dramatic. With an attitude, I you with. Image, money, power. Everyone is hustling. Real hot girl. Every day, men do far worse things than anything I've allegedly done. Anna stole a jet. What's going on? Who are you? Is a masterpiece, bitches, and they can just all. So, <laughs> oh, Shonda's, Shonda is the queen of uh, essentially sound designing her shows as well. That's very much scandal. I would recommend if people need a entry point into uh shondaland um and they do not have any desire like myself i would go straight to scandal season one or how to get away with murder um because it is fun 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 
let me tell you. But um, the one thing about how this story rolls out, so to give a brief synopsis of this story, um, what we know and what we have been told and what was discovered when it finally went to trial was that this young woman who wasn't poor, but wasn't rich mm -hmm. and was, was born in, she really was born in, um, she was born in Russia and her family had moved to Germany. Um, at a certain point, she goes to college, drops out of college, but she gets an internship with a, um, it sounds like a very niche arts magazine called Purple um, in London. So even before that, we come to find out if you believe the interpretation of this story, um, she had a thirst for reinvention. So a thirst for mm -hmm. high fashion, um, art, being part of that world. But this, this is probably giving her the first taste of it because she's working in this magazine and she's going to be around designers, artists, and things of that nature. And not, not just that, but being at those parties, hearing the conversations and what have you. And then the next thing you know, she's landed somehow. I don't know how she got the money. Who knows? She's landed in Manhattan. And not just like, and this is what's funny to me, because I'm just like, this takes balls moxie because you live my sweet friend in brooklyn mm -hmm. and you know how expensive it is it is just to be living in brooklyn and yeah. she's like oh no she's heading straight to soho and you know figuring out ways essentially to <laughs> live in hotels at no cost i know and and yeah, and I think that's like her ability to be so confident. And she is, and she's really smart. And I think she's one of those people that just like when she's thrown into a situation, she's just constantly absorbing everything around yeah. her. And that's how she was able to be so successful. And yeah, it was like, I mean, it was always for Anna Delvey, it was always like only the best for her. Like she wouldn't take anything less. So like, of course, she's going to go straight to Soho. Of course, she's not even going to try to like go to the fanciest place. Like she has to be there with like the upper crust of like the socialites of New York, which I don't even I can't even comprehend how you how you get into a room with those people. Like, how do you start right. to get them to like that's what's very fascinating to me and right because what i've read there's that's the thing there are differing accounts of that right so yeah. there is one interpretation that she meets um um that she meets this tech guy early on and right. um this tech guy who apparently is a real human but for jessica pressler's story that came out in the new yorker so this this miniseries is based on the Jessica Pressler story. She's her um, nom de plume or her, you know, pretend name in this played by Anna Klumsky is Vivian Kent, which I thought was the most hilarious. I thought of Clark Kent. I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. Vivian Kent mm -hmm. um, played by a bulging eyed at all times, just in shock at all mm -hmm. times, Anna Klumsky, which she is my, to, I, 
she is my biggest criticism about this. And I love, Anna, yes, I love Anna Klumsky and things like Veep. She's amazing in Veep, but I don't understand the direction they, I know this is supposed to be based on this real journalist. Right. But she was hard for me to take. Like this woman's yeah. been living in New York for a while and she's saying stuff like, who has $20 million houses? I'm like, you work, I mean, she works for Manhattan Magazine, which is really, new, you know, the, the twin for a New Yorker. But I'm yeah. like, come on. You, you've been living in New York for years. This should not be so shocking to you. Yeah. Um, but in her, you know, she's the one really who is telling this story. She's the one who is making the connections with all of these people who've met Anna and at the same time, there is this side story where she's trying to renew her broken reputation. Right. Um, Which I, that. No one cares. Yeah. Did you care? That, so that, I, that annoyed me so much, that storyline, because I wanted them to just hurry up and tell us what it was. Like right. they did that thing where they kept on adding all these little breadcrumbs. She'd be like, I need to, my reputation. Like I can't, like I have to prove myself. And it's like, just tell us what happened. And I think they didn't tell us until like, I forget what episode, but it just got a little dramatic and a little annoying. And I think if it's fine, if you want to like have that little bit of exposition, you're like, oh, like right. what's the motive behind caring about this story so much? Um, outside of it just being really interesting. Oh, she has like a, you know, her tainted um, reputation to uphold. Um, but they just they just like dragged it on for so long. Yeah. And they you did know? that thing where it was like, I know you want me to care. Yeah. And this should, it's taking up a lot of, because uh, to me, you could have edited the, edited this story down by two episodes if you cut out the additional Vivian Kent story yeah. that I didn't need. Like, I get it. You fucked up. And at the end of the day, by the way, she fucked up she and fucked did up. not do her proper fact checking. Yeah. And just fine. It, you know, which which happens. It happens. I mean, it happened, you know, the... um. That great, that great story about, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, um, about the New Republic, the magazine, the New Republic, and how they had a writer on there for years who was developing, like, he was just, it was just story after story that was truly amazing. His last yeah. name was Glass. Um, um, and the, I think the movie was called Broken Glass, I know, that Class or something, but um, it's Hayden Christensen. It's a really good movie, but okay, um, just these over-the-top stories about um, and they're all like politically leaning of some sort. Um, but people were taken Stephen Glass, that was his name. People were taken in that staff was taken in so quickly by how headline grabbing this story was that people were not doing the proper fact checking. Right. And it hit, obviously it ruined his credibility because he was straight up just making up things. Um, 
and the new Republic. That's very Anna Delvey of him. It's very Anna Delvey of him. And he loved, but but he was much kinder and sweeter. He was a he was a um people pleaser and a someone who really needed that validation. I never feel like Anna Delvey is a people pleaser. <laughs> um I think she's I don't know exactly. I think she's really is in a way trying to create something. And I think that there's an addiction that she has to, I think she's conned herself into, I am this person. I am this person. I'm so fucking close. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't. Well, I think she's not a people pleaser in the sense that like, you know, most of the people pleasers we know, but she is like, so deeply obsessed with how people perceive her and she you know like she and I think like being um really mean to people and being really standoffish because that's the thing like all the testimonies of people who knew her they were like yeah like she was not pleasant to be around they all still hung out with her but they all said she wasn't pleasant because I think in her mind she was like I'm this like I'm this, you know, girl boss, um, businesswoman. I'm this rich German heiress, so I have to act the part. And so being really unpleasant, I think, was like the character she had built for herself, you know? Right. And I think that if you were to believe the Jessica Pressler version, they really made it seem like, and some of the way it's chronicled early on, she kind of hooks up with this guy who was doing TED Talks, who was, the you know, trying to, yeah, the, the futurist, um, the futurist, um, and trying to promote his own app and trying to gain money and gain capital for his own app. So yeah. they meet each other. And not only that, but she has created a relationship with this stylist who has the connection with the rich benefactor. So you not only see, you see her and the futurist who are dating, find Mm -hmm. a way to con weeks and weeks of staying in this woman's like mansion. And this was uh, Nora, right? Nora, yes. Played by Kate Burton. Kate Burton plays like the best rich women. I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen that's Richard Burton's uh, daughter also for people who okay. don't know that. But Kate Burton has also been in um, quite a few Shonda. You see quite a few Shonda actors show up. So Kate yeah. Burton has been in episodes of Scandal, episodes of How to Get Away with Murder. Who knows? She might end up in Bridgerton. I don't know. So, you know, Shonda was Shonda was pulling in some of her players, but um it was really interesting to see. I, I did think it was interesting to see that relationship because it just seemed like this open-ended invitation where these two people who don't really have money. Um, I mean, at one point he had a sizable invest. He had a sizable investment from investors, but um, he needed more. He was running out of money, and the money that he was ha- he had, he was spending it on Anna because Anna was consistently saying she consistently would say to different people, well, I don't, my money's not tied. My money's tied up right now because 
my, you know, my father's angry at me and, mm-hmm. you know, I can't even touch, you know, he won't provide me with my allowance this month because he's angry with me because I'm a beautiful, I'm a beautiful, successful young woman. And he doesn't like, he doesn't understand that. That was the other thing. He wanted a son. Yeah. yeah he, she would always play like, the like, oh, he just wished that I was a boy. <laughs> like, you know. And or this would be like, happening, essentially. Oh. Um, yeah. So she was, and that was interesting because that was really, when she was with him, when she was with the futurist, <laughs> she was even able to push him out of that, that house situation. He ends up leaving at one point and she's still there. Yes. She's still there and she is learning just by being around Nora and Nora's different. Nora takes her under her wing and like, you know, Nora's in the, you know, Nora's in the circle with these wealthy New York women, you know, who, you know, have their own racks of clothes at, you know, Yes, there's one point where she says, like, she's like, oh, I have my rack. Like, they should know. They should know that that wasn't my clothing. Right, because Anna, they turn Anna, like, Nora and her friends, essentially, I I looked at her as, like, a little mascot. Because what else, you don't really know what she's doing. She's kind of hanging around, but she's trying to get this concept of the Anna Delby Foundation off the ground, which is this social club for artists and ex- the most exclusive social club for artists, but nobody knows who the fuck Anna Delvey is. And honestly, yeah. when she gets there, so this, so under, under, um, what's her name? Did you say her name? Nora. Under Nora's wing, Nora provides a lot of those inroads. And so people are like, well, if Nora is saying good things, so she's able to start getting connections that way, even though she's fucking over Nora. Nora's having her run out and, you know, go and get a sushi here. Or, and she's just spending money using that credit card. You know, she's just. $400,000. I mean, the audacity. I know. And like, and it took, I, I'm sure it was embarrassing because it probably took them a while. These people have so much money. So it probably took her a while to figure yeah. out how much money, because it wasn't like Anna was spending small amounts of money. It looked like every time she was running an errand for her, she would just tack on some stuff herself, which I'm like, well, that's how you build a wardrobe, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure that's how she built her wardrobe, you know, she was befriending smart people that could essentially dress her and make her look the part. Don't you think? And she and she like knew again. No, exactly. And like again, this this is what goes back to like I I think what's so smart about her. Like I, there's a lot of reasons why you know she's a terrible person, but like she knew exact things to wear to like get people to be like oh like she has money or like oh she knows what she's talking about because you look at i i'm always fascinated because i look at old photos um of her from like 2015 and on and like to me i feel like her style is not great like she doesn't look 
you know, I'm not in that world, but I'm like, she doesn't look that great. It's like not that good of a look, but she knew what to wear that would impress people. Like she would wear things that were like, like runway things or like whatever was at the hot time at that time, like what was the hot item. She always knew what it was, even if it wasn't particularly like stylish or anything. Like she just knew she knew exactly what to wear. I don't, it's, that's what's so fascinating to me. And that's what that stylist would say. The stylist would be like, you have money. You're not, you're not wearing something so over the top, but it's in the details. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you see her transforming herself at a certain point, because when she gets on the scene, she's blonde, what have you. And she starts not wearing glasses and you start seeing, at least in the series, this transformation into this into this reddish auburn hair, what we mm-hmm. have known in the photographs of Anna Delby. Kind of, the hair is a hot mess, always. Oh, um, yeah. They made, except when she was blonde, they made her look, her hair was a lot less crazy in the series. She looks I great. Thought. Like, Way yeah, too hot. I thought when she... That's another thing, too. And that's where I was kind of having the visual disconnect as I was like, she looks so good. Like, she looks fashionable. Her hair looks great. And the photos I've seen. A mess. A kind of a mess. It doesn't necessarily look like that. But to me, me, like a kind of a mess, but like maybe, especially I think of like the late 90s, like a late 90s art girl that might not have money, but has connections. That's what she reminded me of, especially when you start seeing her in court. (laughs) She was styled in court, which is insane to me. Like they got Mm -hmm. somebody who was styling her in fucking like Stella McCartney. And I'm like, my God. Uh, But I thought her really brilliant. She was going to East Saint Laurent in like the courtroom. (laughs) (laughs) She stole so much money and I'm like, she's like, I mean, they devoted the, and they did have that Instagram account that was like Anna Delby in court. I remember that because I used to follow it. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing that she's getting these clothes. And again, she looked like a hot mess, but she did something. She was smart enough to know, listen, I have to have something kind of iconic about me. If at this point in my invention, while I live in these hotels and I'm trying to get investors, um, I want to be taken seriously. And she would wear these oversized Celine glasses that were really iconic. I was like, it's such an Andy Warhol-ish type thing. I also thought about, um, oh God, I forget her name. She is a fashion designer, like a fashion designer. columnist she's no longer with us but she would have the big circle glasses um she was up there with like an andre Leo. Exactly. um I'll, I'll have to mm-hmm. look it up and like i'm like she's that's what she's doing and it, it took me a while to, to figure it out but i'm like she's pulling together some type of iconic look so because she is as she says a fucking masterpiece she wants to be connected mm-hmm. in some way to this elite art world with this foundation. She's created this entire backstory of 
her being a German heiress that no one seems to be checking up on, which is really bananas to me. But I yeah. had I had I had to literally read about three different articles to make myself understand how she was getting actual money because you would that was the big thing that it was talked about all the time that Anna would have cash on her like she would be tipping the doorman a hundred dollars and she would be tipping the concierge one hundred dollars just dropping money left and right so I was trying to figure out so how did she do this and it was essentially a very big elaborate um check kiting situation where you're you know writing one check from one you know one bank to get the money out to transfer it to another bank and the one bank you have somehow convinced that the money is the wires late but the money is going to be wired in there um and i was just like really faking it until you can make it you know but can you imagine having the balls of going into a huge Manhattan bank? I I'm like terrified to do. Like I just I, and I think that's what fascinates me fascinates me so much about this story is just the confidence that she had. Right. I could never. I feel like I I go I I go to an establishment to ask for something that I'm deserving of, and I'm still scared. I can never imagine. Yeah, you're that. like I probably have the wrong form or something like that. And she just would walk in, and she's like, "Oh well, uh, I need five hundred thousand dollars. It's going to be. Uh, do you have a problem? You take a wire transfer. This is my crazy Annabelle Delvey accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they would just believe it. And I know that they there was some forgery, though. There was some forgery. She had some documents mm -hmm. that they would ask her to fill out. So she knew enough how to do some of that stuff. Yeah. But I was, I was just like, wow. Just walking into a situation and, you know, you think about actors and stuff. And I'm like, she's acting every single day. This has to be. All I can think about is how exhausted is she, right? Well, she it's it's well, it's what they always say about, you know, pathological liars is like there's that certain point where you you have to believe it, you know. Right. I think with her, it's a mixture of she believes it. Like I think there are certain things that she just fully believes, like probably she's convinced herself because she has to keep her story straight about her backstory that that's true. And then right. also, I think she always felt justified in her actions. Um, she wanted mm -hmm. something. She wanted to start a foundation. She wanted to be part of, you know, the New York elite. And, and she also, in the show, they talk a lot about, and I think even in interviews, she would talk about like, oh, well, if I was a man, it'd be different. Or like, men do this all the time. And so I think she she felt justified. She was like, well, I'm just doing what I have to do to get what I deserve because I, she has this complex and she just does, thinks that she deserves the best. So right. I think it's those two things of believing it to a certain degree and also just feeling like that you are completely justified in your actions. And it's really interesting because she does feel fully justified for that whole 
you know, if I was a man and if I came from an, from an Ivy League, then this wouldn't mm-hmm. even be up for discussions. And she does bring up valid points where like, she's like, I've been around some of these, these men before who have probably just been handed these jobs coming from an Ivy League and they came from money already. So they were already going to be set up. And I am so much smarter than them. And she probably was. She She is. Oh, if she got away with this for so long, she absolutely is. Oh, absolutely. 100%. But my problem with the show is they are so rooting for Anna in this show that it gets to a point near the end where, where I'm like, wait, am I supposed to think that her friend who was scammed essentially out of $62,000 is the villain? (laughs) I'm supposed to think that right now? Because she said, you know what? You know what? I I am going to write about this. I came to Vanity Fair to be a writer. I know. I'm going to take my shot now. I'm like, I don't blame. And we're talking about the Rachel character. At one point in the story, for viewers, yes, spoiler alert, Um, She has a couple friends that are in her circle and many times with these friends and her friends will talk about it. You know, you know, Anna paid for elaborate dinners, you know, Anna would pay for outfits. One of these um, individuals is Rachel. Another one is a character named Neff, who also happens to be the concierge at one of the hotels that she is living at. So Neff is a huge, Neff is a huge connector for um, Anna into different, into getting reservations, places, into connections. So that's very, very strategic. And then there is the fitness instructor, Casey Duke, played by Laverne Cox, who, you know, was, is essentially a pretty prominent fitness instructor. She was one of the founding creative directors of like Equinox, you know, yeah, like she's like, became famous because I mean she's trained like Denzel Washington and Kirsten Dunst. I mean yeah, she's man. only the best for Anna Delvey. Of only course the best. Yeah, we better have a personal trainer. And then with that personal trainer, we're gonna go and have like ridiculous dinners with as well afterwards. But um at one point in the story, the Ra- Rachel, her friend who works at Vanity Fair, and she's a they don't really explain this um Right, but she's really a photo editor. She went into Vanity Fair She um, to become a writer. She wasn't on the full editorial stuff. She was working more as a photo editor. So when she had the opportunity through Vanity Fair, she had an opportunity to write this story for Vanity Fair, which, you know, after being through that trauma, I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, they really, they don't, you know. They villainize her. They they just straight up villainize her. Like, how could you do this to her? Think about all of the things that Anna has done for you. And I'm like, yeah. but with all stolen money, guys. I mean, and I, I think know. that it's it's one of those things that they don't talk about a lot. They they really portray all of this like as a victimless crime, right? Well, if you're stealing, even if it's one of these high-end hotels for long enough. I mean, there is a trickle-down situation. The people at the very top aren't going to lose their job, but some other people could be losing their job. People in the restaurants, 
you know the people who didn't take like the people who didn't take the card down correctly the people that right. you know were taking all the hundred dollar bills from her you're so you're so right like it's it definitely does affect other people right and if somebody gets because we really they really don't talk about that part like if some hotel is like okay so she is on the hook for a hotel for i don't know twenty thousand dollars someone someone is going to pay for that on that staff someone there needs to be a sacrificial lamb because the the person at the top top is going to be like, what the hell type of management is going on that you all allowed this to happen? Not just with the rooms, but with the food and you let it happen for a month. They do show that the moment she gets kicked out of, I think she was at the, she was at the one George. Um, is that the name of the place? The where Neff worked? Yeah. Was it, or was she so- at the Beekman? So Eleven Howard, it's Eleven Howard. Where, yeah, so that's the one where where Neff worked, and that's where she. I feel like that's the most iconic. Yes, you know, the the Anna Delvey era, and she was and she was there the longest. Yeah, she was able to scam them the longest, and she would well, move were, on. So this is, and I do wonder that is kind of a newer hotel. So huh. like Eleven Howard and Le Cuckoo are a little newer and I wonder if like they were just maybe so excited about having some like big rich German heiress and I'd have to check like when it was first built but I do know it was a newer hotel right she was there like it wasn't it hasn't been a long around for a long time so the character I wonder if that's right because that's well she probably knew that I mean, I feel like she's mm-hmm. just doing so much research. And the character who plays um, Neff, she's played by Alexis Floyd, who, by the way, is from Cleveland, Ohio. And I remember really? seeing her. Yes, I remember seeing her when she was like a little girl in some community theater production of Rent. How great great theater? What? <laughs> not like not a theater. theater. It, was, it was a theater on the east side, though. Oh, I think she's, I she's an insider, and I was like, "This can't be the same person." And I'm like, "It's she's grown up. She's That's grown cool. up. My God!" It was like, "How cool!" Um, she was one of my favorite actually performances um, yeah, in this, cool. in a real like ride or die. And apparently, that is very close to how this how this person is in real life. Neff is like was a filmmaker and complicated relationship. It, it, when you say like really close to how it was in real life, like do you mean how much Neff stood by Anna? Yeah, yeah. Because um, that's what that has to be like. That has to be how it was in real life. Because sometimes you're sitting there and I'm like, still. I mean, granted, yeah. like she wasn't there in Morocco. She was always paid back, so that's maybe why she. Yeah, you know, I think always... that's the big difference because. If any monies were ever, and there is a one point where a sizable amount of money is borrowed from Neff, but she gets paid back because I'm sure Anna goes on one of her check kiting expeditions. Her little, little, like the hop, skip and a jump around to different banks. Walking in, walking in with like a little bird, her tiny Birkin bag and her Celine glasses and you know, getting 30,000 messy, messy hair that apparently costs like 
however much money. (laughs) It literally, okay, my hair is up right now, but that is my hair if it is down, like on day three of not washing it. There's like, you guys will see if you go to the website, pictures of the real Anna Delby and her in court. At one point, this hair looks like there is a possum, like in the back of it, like living and burrowed. It's just a fucking mess. Um, But in everything I've read of like truth versus fiction, Neff has said, listen, we had a complicated, I've had a complicated relationship with her. We've like followed and unfollowed each other a thousand times. You know, it's kind of one of these things, but I still think she sees her as someone that she is a friend and that she loves. Um, And it might be because she paid her back. And in the show, it really is her idea of like, listen, I come from nothing. She comes from nothing. I respect the hustle. I've had to hustle. Um, And I'm like, I think that's why, sorry, go ahead. No, I, that's it. Just, well, I think, I think that's why like so much of, and I don't think just this special is, um, I think lots of other articles have also been very empathetic towards Anna. Like this isn't just like, you know, specific to this Netflix series um, of being like, but is she really that bad? And then you're like, I mean, yeah, she's very narcissistic. She's very rude. She, you know, just takes what she wants with no regard for other people. Um, But I think the fact that she comes from nothing and that most of the people she was like scamming the elite makes people kind of like her, you know, and I think that's why, like, that's why, you know, we've seen this type of story happen so many times, but like with her, you're like, oh, you know, like you kind of, you, in a weird way, you kind of root for her, even though she's terrible, like, like you... Yeah, I don't know. I think it is just because she comes from nothing. It just makes her a little more sympathetic. It's very manipulative. And Shonda can be very manipulative in her storytelling. um, In which you're (laughs) like, I'm not... I think the big missing element of the story, though, is I don't see... Because it's so much... The narrative is so focused on Vivian's telling of it. I'm like, I need to feel some deeper empathy for Anna. And it's hard to feel it because even when they show moments of some vulnerability, she quickly does something else that just negates that. Um, And I do think that's kind of the downfall of the, the storytelling. I mean, even when they go at one point, they go back to Germany and they're trying to kind of figure out the origin story of Anna and I'm like I should feel more sympathy here but I don't I I don't feel the I don't feel what Shonda wants me to feel right now I don't think and um Mm -hmm. and the Vivian character is being so heavy-handed with everything and I'm like she's like she's getting more years and this, yeah. and I was like, and honestly, I liked the lawyer, Todd. Um, I will just mention, oh, yeah, Long Island so, uh, Ballet Todd. So, I don't know if you've ever seen 
Todd Spodek. Um, if you ever see Todd in real life, he is so, he is even, he is so like Jersey. He is so like, he is exactly like that. He's like, Anna's a hustler. Anna's, if you can make, he said that in his opening arguments. You know, New York, it's tough. If you can yeah. make it here, you can make it anywhere. He did the whole Frank Sinatra thing. That was part of his opening remarks. Oh um, and I didn't, and he actually did represent Alec Baldwin stalker. Like that was one of his big <laughs> that he had. Not Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin stalker, and was able to settle it out of uh, out of court. But I'm like, I didn't mind him. But I'm like, did you did he really cancel his vacation because he felt so bad about Anna? I was like that. You I'm like, come on. That was so. Like, that was so infuriating to me because I thought, like, because I think they did a good job showing him. I, I thought, like, up until that point, like, they kind of had done a good job sort of with his story arc. You're like, okay, yeah. I understand why he cares so much about this case based on, like, his, you know, old money wife. And then he's just, he has this whole, like, um, little speech towards the beginning. He's like, when I go, like, to this party with your friends I just feel like I'm that kid in Long Island like with people throwing the keys to me when I was in ballet um and yeah. and then there's that whole journey he gives this great closing argument he's going back and forth he has his argument with his wife about whether he should go on this vacation or not and finally he decides like you know what like I've like done what I can for her I, I I'm you know I stay until the end of the trial and then I'm gonna leave right and I was like, good. That felt like, to me, that felt like a satisfying, like, end of that story arc. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, walking to the car with his wife. And he's like, you know what? Actually, I need, it. like, it was just like, what? Actually, I'm going to stay. I don't know what they were trying to, were they trying to show that he... I don't, I don't know. Like, was that, was that, was that like trying to like stick it to his wife in a way? Like, were we not supposed to, were we supposed to care more about his career than like his wife's like vacation? I don't know. I was very confused about that choice. I think it was What's your them take on that? trying and Vivian trying both of them. Like, even though we know that she is, a flawed human being, look at our huge amount of empathy. We see so much more in this person. And throughout this process, we have become the caretaker of her story. And I really feel like that's what Shonda was trying to show. And they were playing a bit with the idea of him like, I've had to deal with like these rich pricks my whole life. I'm married. I've married into the rich prick system. I kind of understand where she's coming from. But the problem is she's so goddamn unlikable. Um, even played by Julia yeah. Garner, who is definitely more pleasant, probably, and has shows a bit more vulnerability than I think that we've ever will ever see in the real Anna Sorokin. Even in those moments, yeah, absolutely. still is pretty damn unlikable. So I can understand the exasperation from his wife, who has been ignored for the last year. 
and probably has had to cancel plans after plans because their life has been on on pause. Now, mind you, the only time that he he finally did get paid, but he wasn't getting paid any time during this also. So this yeah. was all for reputation. Um, this was all to build up his clout, just like mm-hmm. Vivian. So they were all in a way using Anna. And that's yeah. something that's not really talked about because it wouldn't be until she gets paid for this story from Netflix and she ends up getting paid. And when I say she, I mean, Anna, she ends up getting paid $320,000 for the rights of her story to Netflix and to Shonda Rhimes. Now, through that though, about $200,000 of that. And because of the son of Sam law, which doesn't, which means that you have to make restitution to some of your victims. Um, you can't like mm-hmm. directly profit from crimes. Um, it's about $200,000 or $199,000 that she has to pay in restitutions and fees. Now she was convicted at the end of the day on eight charges, but she was not convicted. She was um, not, not convicted on the theft of the, the 22 million that she tried to obtain from one of the many, um, what are they called? Private equity firms and the 62,000 from Rachel. And so that was true from the story. Now, Rachel did end up getting, she did end up getting that money back from American Express. It doesn't matter. It was still bullshit. Um, Mm-hmm. Anna was released from prison in 2021, but due to the um, due to the overstay of her visa, she's in ICE custody currently. So she's in ICE. She's in, which has got to suck. I mean, mm-hmm. that's got to be where she was. She was at Rikers, and she was at two other places as well. Um, so, you know, she's fighting deportation right now. Obviously because she should be getting deported back to Germany or no. Yeah. Germany, I guess. Um, but she, uh, who knows what's going to be, I think if she gets out and she's able to fight that deportation, she'll be fine. I think she'll get opportunities. Um, because I think the real opportunity really? become is her story. Yeah. She signed away her life rights um, for a measly $320,000, but we still haven't heard her story from her. And to me, unless there's some stipulation in this with whatever she got paid for from Netflix, still, I think that's the book that I want to read. That's the narrative that I want to see if she, but because I really want to know the impetus for all of this. What was this? Was this his internship at Purple? Was this really something that happened to you when you were 16, when you felt like you were being made fun of for having shitty clothes? What the fuck was this? But my question is, because everything I, I feel like with me keeping up with her, everything I've seen with her interviews, her social media, I don't think she's changed that much. So I also want to read her book. But, like, can you believe anything in it? I mean, that's what's kind of fascinating for me is I would love to see 
when she has the means and you know the time and maybe a ghostwriter or something to write this book right what's it be about? like what story is she going to choose to tell oh, right because well, we can trust that's the thing her to be honest because we're not going to have but you're right do you think that like sorry go ahead oh no go go ahead no no say it you just you froze oh, on i was gonna say like I know my internet is it's it's a whole thing, oh, but um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I know I have FiOS; it should be like better but for whatever reason. It's, it's <laughs> not, but um, so I I do think like you're right that like this isn't the last we're going to hear from Anna Delvey because she just when you're that type of person that is just so focused on your image and like you are so driven and confident, like it's going to be very fascinating to see what she does next. Right. I mean, and she's notorious and there's going to be people that, you know, want to have her on. Like, I think she's going to end up getting out and, you know, she'll be in fashion, New York fashion week next year, walking around <laughs> with someone. I mean, if you're gonna, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna have like Kyle McLaughlin and you know um, all of the Calkins walking the runway, why wouldn't you have like the most notorious New York con artist walk the oh, runway no. for you? And she should rock it for like Celine or Mui Mui, like all of these labels that she essentially wore, because. Yeah. She already is tied with these things. I mean, I could see her like walking it for like a Richie Rich, you know, someone who loves mm. putting people, notorious people in their clothes. Like they were the ones that uh, when Anna Nicole Smith had transformed and lost a bunch of weight, they put her in like one of like, like their fashion, like their runway show for New York Fashion Week. And it was. I could see them doing something like that because, you oh, know, no. it's going to cause a, it's going to cause a buzz. Um, just a little bit out, just a few other things that people do not know. So this is just a little bit about differences between the show. They make it sound like Vivian literally has, is typing the last word and goes into oh, labor. It, it is very close the Vivian character in this show is pregnant the entire time. It's a real fun part of the story that I don't give a shit about, but she, yeah. she, she had the child and then it, it was like really two weeks and then she was able to get the story out. But in between, I don't know the full timing of this, but this is the second time this, um, the second time this reporter has been, seen like in a dramatic fashion on screen because the other story that she had before this came out was the um hustler story so the movie hustlers was based on the article the hustlers of scores and if you see the movie the julia styles character is that character so i found that to be interesting and that's essentially wow. about some other type of female scammers you know what i mean so she has kind of she's kind of building a reputation on on this type of thing um and um i said that about the casey do character and 
um, <laughs> the um, apparently Neff Davis is out there and working in the film industry right now, which is great. And I know that she worked, she was hired um, kind of as a creative consultant by Shonda Rhimes for this story. Wow. So I feel like if anyone is probably represented like the most accurate, it is probably the Neff character. Just for that mm -hmm. alone. Um, while I think they gave they really gave the Rachel character who was played by the person who um, plays Rachel was a very prominent actress also in one of Shonda's shows scandal. And um, man, okay. just not a lot of sympathy. They really, it, it's well, just, I read an article that. Yeah. Well, I read an article that the real life Rachel was like, not happy about her portrayal which i understand because yeah she is made out to be a villain you know and she's kind of i think her story like it's a, it's a little easy to be like mm, you're you're fine in a way but like right. yeah she was she was not happy with how she was portrayed because i will say the one thing that anna will say throughout and i'm sure people did this was you know a lot of people times you know i just asked and people would pay you know, they didn't have to pay. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to give me the money. They just did it. And that's again, that's so smart on her end. Like she just right. knows like, like, yeah, she's, she knows what she's doing. Like, she always knows what she's doing, even when she doesn't like she, ten yeah, 10, 10 steps ahead. And the only thing, um, it is interesting how they portray some people in this, but um, you know, at, the thing that keeps on tripping her up is she gets so close to getting this huge amounts of funding yeah. and the, um, the like private equity guy, um, uh, played by Anthony Edwards. He's like, you know, we, we got the money for you. All, all we have to do to secure this enormous loan is it's a formality. Somebody has to go to Germany and make sure that essentially the shit is correct, that you are this German heiress and that you have these funds. Shouldn't be an issue. Very easy. Right. And I'm like, and honestly, at that point, even though I know I'm being manipulated, I was like, damn, she's so close. <laughs> because yeah, you really don't cool. have as much sympathy. It's because you don't have as much sympathy for this big bank and for this guy. You know, the way they yeah. portray that narrative. Because you're just like, he's fine. And you come to find out, oh, well, he got a raise. He lost. He, you know, he did he did not do his due diligence. He put the bank at this horrible, vulnerable place. And he ended up getting a promotion. So it does bring up certain points of equity and fairness and what have you. But I think they take it 20 steps too far in my opinion I well you, you know, can you can show like the you can show the flaws in the system of like you know there are people at the top who are always going to be okay like there's the one part where Nora she had four hundred thousand dollars stolen she's like well my friend at the bank was able to get it all back for me 
Like, like, if you know how my life would be different if I just had four hundred thousand dollars. Like, it's just all those people. They're fine. So you can show that that like, and also people can mess up so horribly, but then still be okay, even succeed, while also still showing like Anna is a deeply like manipulative and just narcissistic person you can show those two things i think to me like i think what's the interesting like theme of it is you have anna delvey who's like you know the obvious villain who's scamming all these people who's a grifter who's manipulative um just using people for what she wants but like all the other characters in a way kind of do that same thing and maybe if they would have played up more on that of like you know, they were also using her in a way. And they also just do that every day in their job. These banks, like, you know, these rich people at the top. Like, that's more of, like, the interesting theme to me as opposed to, like, being really empathetic towards Anna. It's more showing, like, these people do a similar thing, even though hers is much more, like, dramatic and, um, you know, illustrative or whatever. Right. And I mean, I think it's the star fuckery of it all. Like you saw that, you know, these people thought she was a certain thing. So they wanted to be close to touch the hem of the dress because I mean, there was a great scene in which she's um, it's one of the friends that is like, at one point I went to dinner and it was like one of the Calkins was there. Martin Skrellix, who was another scammer, pharma bro was there. So you see, we have the Firefest guy. We have the pharmaceuticals guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, Billy. Um, Billy, what's his face? The, far, the Firefest and, scammer, Billy McFarland. Billy McFarland. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Which I'm like, of course, all of these. It's just it's funny because none of the scammers are being honest with the other scammers. No, you know, but like you look at. You know, you look at like, especially like a Martin Skrellick, uh, who he's another one who came from nothing. He came from nothing, but was very much self-made, legitimately self-made. But, um, you know, he cannibalized all of those efforts because essentially his braggadocious nature and um, because he's just an asshole. He's still in prison, by the way. But for a Ponzi scheme, he was not... People get confused. It, he's, he was not thrown into prison for hiking up that pharmaceutical pharmaceutical price. That's that is not an illegal practice, sadly. But it no, was we for, love that here in the United States. We love it. The Marais, you know. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, that scene says it all. Like, look at these assholes who are sitting at this table. Yep. And and oh, also one thing that I thought was interesting, especially with the guy who was a stylist when he was trying to recognize things with um, how he knew Anna was old money. He was like, how she ordered wine. She never ordered like some, she never ordered the most expensive bottle as new money does or a trendy vintage. She always ordered something classic Mm -hmm. that wasn't as expensive, but it was a renowned like, vintage you know what I mean like you would have had to have money to know about that so I'm like she either has a photographic memory and did deep studies on all of these things right do you think so this is my other question 
do you think she has a photographic memory? Because I remember reading the article and she was like, I have a photographic memory. And I'm like, oh, of course. Because that's a thing I feel like narcissistic people love to lie about is like having a photographic memory. But I always so I always thought that that was just a lie of her. But then in the show, not just because they show it in the show, this means it's right. But like they her her boyfriend hands her that um, iPad of all like the VCs and investors. And she rem she memorizes all of them. Yes. So I'm like, does she? I definitely do feel like she has a very good memory and she's very smart. But what do you think? Does think Anna she... Delvey have a photographic memory? I don't know if you had a test or I don't know if there's a test to take for that or something, but I mean, I think she has, I do think it is a real thing. I think she has a huge retention level and I think she has an ability to take in information and be able to discern, do I need this? Like when she's looking at all of the investors, she's remembering people. She's remembering names. I do not have a photographic memory and would suck at that. I yeah. would have to be like, I always think of the Devil Wears Prada, how the one character is whispering into Meryl Streep's ear, like both of the assistants have to whisper in her ear all of the people that are coming up. Because yeah. she's like, there's no way I'm going to know who everyone is. It's like, you, your job is to memorize these people as an assistant. You know, the person on top doesn't know. Anna Delvey has to be the assistant and the person at the top. So I think there's some, I don't think that's a full con. I, I think you got to have some type of God-given skill to be able to retain that. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I I mean, she, she conned for a while. You know, it, it wasn't like just a year. She knew when to move in because she's, because she seems to have a sociopathic streak, there wasn't any <laughs> guilt with, it's like, I'm just burning everything that behind me. Like I move on and I throw a match and those people well, were, you know. Well, there was, um, I, I read the articles that were like, this happened and this didn't. And when she asked to have a first class flight, that was real. When she had to come back from Morocco. Yes. <laughs> story i'd prefer first and that's class. why it's like you can't yeah you can't like you can't feel like you know you can't feel sympathetic when you you yeah but i think she got that's it wild. didn't she get that first class flight i thought that she didn't i thought well, that okay i think her friend didn't even though she she asked for it and her friend was like no I, we, we might to double check but i think that she didn't but she definitely she did got, ask for it. Because that was a Casey Duke. That was a that yes. she had contacted Casey for that. And I was like, wow, just right. Because Casey would have had the money, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Casey was Casey was definitely in a better financial situation than a Rachel. Um yeah. Rachel being a photo editor for Vanity Fair and essentially you know, in her early 20s. So this is like Rachel's first job out of college was Vanity Fair. I was pretty sure like her first, well, at least her first job in New York. So um, I know that she wasn't making, you know, she wasn't making the amount of money that she owed. <laughs> um, but they, you know, they spent a lot of time on the Rachel of it all, of, of that whole 
of that whole thing. But I don't know. I, uh, who knows where she'll end up. I keep on checking mm-hmm. on her. She's still a nice. So we'll see what happens when she gets out. But I think the worst thing that could happen to her is that she does get extradited um, back to Germany. Um, because, you know, what the hell is she going to do there? Berlin, Anna Delphi, Berlin, Anna Foundation, Berlin. I mean, maybe, but um, that's the that's the real story. We don't know. We only know essentially from the TV show of what her parents, their interpretation of her um, was. But like, you know, that would be the interesting thing to really like have some interviews with people from that internship and see how she was absorbing things there. Cause I think that was, that was probably around the time where she started making some decisions on this is what I'm going to do just because Mm -hmm. she was surrounded by, she probably saw things and was like, this is why am I not doing this? This doesn't take too much skill. I mean, she had a whole deck, like she had a whole proposal which I'm sure she got someone to do for her (laughs) for no cost. Some poor designer still waiting. (laughs) I thought of you. (laughs) Poor Anna Meyer. Anna Meyer's like, yeah, I really thought I was going to get a lot of money for this, but uh, (laughs) still waiting on that check for me. Anna Delvey. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. coming. Or or she could have paid them with cash. Um, Yeah. You never know. That was the thing. There was a lot of inconsistencies with it. I did like one scene that I have to bring up and I'm wondering, but we would need to know from somebody who works at a high-end hotel. Um, At one point, Neff is in the back, like the back room area where the other people work, like the other other hotel staff. And they have a whole board. Like it's other concierges and the manager of like, high rollers coming in and high rollers leaving and i'm like i wonder if that exists i bet it does but i I thought that scene was done very well the way they were all communicating with each other through you know like you know she's dropping hundreds we got a big fish coming in things like that because of course that's what you would think you know so why would yeah that's that's tangible money you can see and so of course you're like oh you can't fake that but apparently you can well i think you i think my consensus for people before we get off is for people to first if you haven't read about this um read some articles on this i will have some articles um on the website um to kind of get a better sense of the true basis of the story um, because there's a lot of poetic license in the miniseries, but if you just want something to take you away and be entertaining, because it is entertaining as hell, um, watch Inventing Anna. Um, but it does help if you get a little bit of, it's it's fun to go back and forth and watch some real interviews with her, see some pictures of her and do a comparison. Um, again, I do think the series goes on for two episodes too long and there's a whole silly ass side story about these reporters 
that work. Oh my God, that work with um, oh the little Greek chorus, like Vivian's yes, little like <laughs> a Vivian's Greek chorus of elder journalists who have nothing to fucking do but help this goddamn younger journalist and this story. I'm like, this would not happen. This would not happen. They're like, we're just pushing for you, kiddo. And yada, that's very Shonda Rhimes. I want to hear them like going and grabbing a drink and just talking shit about Vivian. <laughs> like they're like, right. Vivian has us doing all her work for her. What the, you know? Yeah, I wanted, I wanted, um, I think it's Anna Devere Smith, the woman who is like a, an esteemed actress and deserves better than this. I wanted mm -hmm. her to eventually say, um, why the fuck are we helping what we need to get back to our work no, <laughs> like, don't we have deadlines do they not have deadlines it's vivian's world and we're just living in it i guess we really are and her befuddled husband oh gosh why was he even in there god that was a that was a badly written a badly written story for him too because he had literally no agency unless he was bitching about the fact that she didn't care that they were about to have a baby i mean that was it yeah I was just like, you don't why even know, like, what he does? Like, what his like, what's his job? He what was he, a he he was apparently in the story. I don't know in real life, but he was like, um, um, he was an artist. He did ceramics. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah. great. <laughs> yeah the the spouses of these people they really got the short shrift to a point where I'm like, not necessary for them to be in this because these actors deserve better. I'll, oftentimes in the series, I say things like this actor deserves better than this writing and this actor, but still I say it's shitty out. Just watch it. It's easy. It's easy. Eating. It's easy consuming. Do you agree? Easy watching. Easy watching. Right. Yeah, I would. Yeah. It was um, easy. It was I was fun and goofy. Yeah, I don't have any regrets of devoting my time to watch it. I'll I'll say that. I'll say that. But um, on that note, I'm going to let you go. Um, thank you so much, Anna Meyer, for joining me this week. This was so much fun. Thank you. It was. You'll have to um, you'll have to visit me in New York, and we can stay at the Eleven Howard. Yes, <laughs> I will. Yeah, because I know we both can afford it. We'll just. <laughs> It's not so it's not like I looked up rooms and like there you can get rooms there for it's not like super cheap, but like 200 to $300. It's not like, like crazy expensive. So we can do it. You can stay in a suite. Remember that that was the weird thing. Yeah, yeah, not the yeah. suite. Just a, just a small little room. <laughs> it's a small little room for her scamming. Oh my god! I I did tell um I did tell our guest here Anna Meyer that we that I thought it would be a really good side job um, for someone to come up with the Anna Delvey tour or as Anna <laughs> the Anna Delvey experience and I think it should be you Anna because it could be Anna on Anna and you could It'll be my up. own like Julie and Julia. Yes, you just, I want you dressed up with a crazy red wig, those Celine glasses, and you get the accent, and then you're like, and I stay here. Like, it's the weirdest, most interactive New York tour in the world. And they're like, there's, this, 
<laughs> there's this artist named Anna Meyer that dresses up like Anna Delvey. And you just go to a few of the hot spots. It's $50 a tour. Let's do it. I'm telling you. That's your side hustle. Sounds Anna, good. Anna. <laughs> I'm saying this before someone else takes this. I think you should copyright it. Okay. I'm leaving you. Thank you for coming on today. Love you. you. Love Bye. You too.